Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. But I'm really excited today. Um, I've got one that the Lord's given me today that I believe is going to hit everybody. I, I believe that where you're at in your life is so unique because there's people that are in school. There's people that are well far along in your business life or maybe you're retired and then there's some people getting started and so your goal is to accomplish these things but regardless of how far along you are, regardless of where you are in your life, everybody is going to fall into the category that we're going to look at today. So just as a reminder what emptiness is, it's a lack of meaning, that's very important, it's a lack of meaning or purpose, feeling of emotional numbness or despair through rejection, abandonment, loneliness envy, or bereavement. And today I want to kind of twist it and take it even a deeper scoop for all of us to understand something. And I want y'all to kind of wrap your mind around this thought. The thing in my life that I go after hardest is what I'm pursuing. Now, you might pursue certain things, but, but in that case, it may not be the thing that you're going after the hardest, but there's something that you're going after the hardest right now. It's the thing that you're most passionately pursuing. And, and what I want you to know is we pursue what we believe is our glue. Now, now I want y'all to get this. We pursue the hardest. The thing that we're pursuing the most is the thing that we think, if I get this, I'm going to be good. This is going to hook me up. This is going to be great. If I can just get this thing, then it's going to be all good and I can make it. We can make it today if I can get this thing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in here? So this is what I found fascinating this week as I've studied. I looked back just two years ago in my life of the things that would like keep me up at night. And then I look back five years ago and then I look back 10 years ago and I've laughed at myself all week, y'all. I've said, moron, that is crazy that you were thinking those things, that, that you let those things overwhelm you. But if I could get that view of my life today, if I could just look at my life today like I can look at it two years ago, I would say in many cases the same thing. Hey, Mark, let's wake up, bro. That thing ain't really that big of a deal. The thing that kept you up till 2 a.m., the thing that has overwhelmed your soul, you're going to look back at it in two months and go, dumb, it wasn't even a big deal. I let it overwhelm me. And so it, it blows my mind how we can have a sense of, of big picture and especially look back. But in the moment, we let it overwhelm us. And we think, if I could just get that thing, if I could just get that person, if I could just get that whatever, then I'd be all right. And it leaves us with that feeling of emptiness. And so, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament. If you can't find it, just whatever, look it up, I guess is good. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, let me give you some background real quick. This is important because if anybody has a right to say what's about to be said, it's Solomon. Solomon was the richest person that's ever lived on this planet. The richest person that's ever lived. Now listen to me. There's rich, and then there's Solomon rich. If y'all have heard me preach before, you've heard me say this, but I just find it fascinating. He had at least, in today's currency, $5 billion in just gold in his castle. 
Huh? Five, that's a B, not an M. Billion dollars in gold. So those of y'all that grew up like I did with ducktails, every day we're out and making. There's only about 10 of y'all. I'm embarrassed. But y'all know Scrooge was swimming that gold, right? He got that from Solomon. Come on now. This dude had a thousand women. Now, I ain't going to stay here long because I love my wife. And she was supposed to be in here and she had to fill in somewhere so I can get by with it this service. Just don't tell her I'm saying this. For real? Men, you probably don't want to say anything right now because I might be building your doghouse for you, but one is enough. A thousand. Like, I'm thankful for my one now. Don't get me wrong. She's amazing. You just want to go give him a hug. Like, I know he's in heaven and stuff, but what were you thinking, bro? Like, how do you, I don't even, I've tried to, maybe this is just my ADD kicking in, so y'all just going to have to stay with me for a second. But, like, I just think to myself, if you're Solomon for a second, you've got a thousand, seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines, and you're just walking through your palace. Do you know their names? I'm, I'm for real. Number 637, come holler at me for a second. Like, what is that? You've got a thousand different emotional creatures. No wonder that dude lost his mind at the end of his life. Come on, somebody. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm half joking because my wife is awesome, truly, and she makes me better, but Something happened along the way in this man's life because to give you truly some background in 1 Kings chapter 9, and we're not going there, but he, God said, you can ask me anything that you want. And he said, I want wisdom. And God gave him wisdom and everything else that his mind could possibly comprehend. So he got everything that you could ever want. And I want you to look at what he said at the end of his life. Everything is meaningless. The teacher, says the teacher, says Solomon, in, in your version, it might say vanity, vanity. Everything is just vanity. He says, completely meaningless. What do people get from all their hard work under the sun? Everything is meaningless. Now, listen, I think this is cool. And if you don't care about words and Greek words and Hebrew words in this case, then you might not care. But I want you to care, so try to care a little bit. The, this word meaningless or, or in your version, if you're reading English Standard or, or New American Standard, one of those, vanity, that word literally means the best, easiest way to understand. Emptiness. Huh. We should do a series on the end of empty. That'd be awesome. Empty. He's like empty. Everything. Every, listen, this is crazy. This dude that's accomplished all this stuff. This dude that took over more land than any king ever has in Israel's history. He accomplished everything. He didn't even have to do it with war. People started giving him stuff. And at the end of his life, when he had done all these things and been through all these things and gone through all these things, he's like, everything makes me feel empty. Listen, this is big. Under the sun. Under the sun. He uses the phrase under the sun 29 times in Ecclesiastes. And that word under the sun gives us the impression of what he's talking about. That above the sun is the Lord Jesus, is heaven, is heavenly things, is, is having my heart set on heaven. But, but most of us, the reason our emptiness has arrived today is because we have this fixation on something. Could be a relationship, could be that next promotion, could be that next thing. 
It's anything and everything but the Lord Jesus. And so I have fixed my eyes on something under the sun is what Solomon described it as. And he says at the end of his life as this hurting older man, it's all worthless, it's all meaningless, or, or hevel, H-E-V-E-L is the word. It all leaves me feeling empty inside. And then that was verse 3, verses 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. This is what he says. The sun goes up, the sun goes down. The earth keeps spinning, 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 spinning. Everything's crazy. Everything just keeps going. You expect something to change in your life, but it just keeps being the same. I get what I want here, and I feel more empty than I felt before. And I don't understand it, because I've gotten everything that I could possibly ever want. And then in verse 9, he says this. History merely repeats itself. It has been done before. Everything has been done. There's nothing under the sun that is truly new. And so at the end of this guy's life, he's saying what many of us say, but we're not gutsy enough. Let me use it that way. We don't have enough intestinal fortitude and guts to say what Solomon said. I've gotten what I wanted to get, and I still feel empty inside. What's the deal? I want y'all to lean in with me just for a second before I move on. Most of us bow our backs up and get ready to go when we fail at something, right? I mean, no one wants to be a failure, and so anytime we fail, we'll bow up and say, I will not. But I find some of the most empty feelings are when we've had what we perceived as success. Because it's after success that I relax. It's after success that I back up. It's after what I thought that if I accomplished that I would feel okay and be ready to go. And if I could just get wherever I drew the line at there, if I could just get my first boom, if I could just get the boom, and then that is the thing that, that I thought that I needed to get that I was pursuing because that is where I need to go. And we all have these things in our minds that we're chasing after and it, and it consumes us and overwhelms us like I was talking about at the beginning. And when we get it, it's like, it's like when you open that box on Christmas morning and it's socks. And you're like, what's next? And it's because, it's because there's no end. And everything under the sun is meaningless. 1 Kings chapter 11 says in Solomon's old age, this is the picture of who we're talking about. They turned his heart. These, the, the verse before this is the, the 700 and 300, the 1,000 women. And God had specifically told him, listen, don't date and marry people that are far from me, that do, not, that do not have me in their eyes and in their minds and in their hearts, that are far from God. Don't do it because they'll turn you. I'm talking to somebody in this room. Don't do it because they'll turn you. It's quiet in here. I need some mamas to say amen or something in here. Come on now. Mm, I could get going, but I'm just going to leave it at that and we'll pick up in a couple weeks when we do something on relationships in this series. Because it sure does look good, doesn't it? But then they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being faithful to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Now listen, i got to go fast on this, but I need y'all to hear this. Most of us think, well, if I just knew a little bit more about the Bible, then I could walk with the Lord. I will never even be able to scratch the surface and know the Lord like he knew him. He was the wisest man that's ever lived. And we think to ourselves, well, pastor, it's easy for you because you can just quote the Bible. But if it's worldly wisdom that I chase, 
There's nothing wrong with these things as long as that is not what my heart is pursuing more than anything else. But when it is, religiousness and knowing more and any of these things can pull me from the Lord Jesus. And that is what had happened here. He had obtained so much knowledge, so much information, so much wealth that it was, he was a person that walked closely with God, walked closely with God. This is not someone that had the, the reputation of he was a drug dealer and, and he got out of this and he was a meth head and this happened and then he got right with God. This is a person that walked closely with God and because of his arrogance in his wisdom, he walked away from God at the end of his life. That's a tragic situation, but it is all of our destinies if we believe that we are the point. It's all of our destinies if we believe that, that something that we accomplish can eventually make us feel good enough about what we've done. It is never enough. It is never enough. As a matter of fact, same Solomon said this in Proverbs chapter 27, just as Sheol and Abaddon, meaning death and destruction, are never satisfied, never satisfied are the eyes of man. There's never enough. There's never enough. I can't get no satisfaction is what he was saying at the end of his life. I'm miserable. I'm miserable. You know what's crazy? If we could have sat down with Solomon, he would have said this to us. I got all this. Like if we'd have walked around with him, we wanted to smack him. Because this is what we say to people. Well, you know, pastor, I just shouldn't feel bad because I see people on TV and they got nothing. And I look around at my life and I got all this stuff. Can I just tell you that sometimes your stuff is the reason you're empty? That their nothing is the reason that they have hope. That you've put all your faith in that stuff that you're looking at. And you look in your driveway and you look at your house and you look at everything around you and you think, I've got more clothes and more this and more that than, than they do. I should be, I should be full. But we've, we failed to understand that that's the stuff that's making us empty. Because I put my hope in anything and everything but the hope of glory, Jesus Christ. And everybody in the room is either there or they were there. You don't have to agree with me. I'm right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And everything under the sun leaves us that way. And this is the deal. This is the deal. I believe that God wants to richly bless you because he wants to accomplish his purpose in you. And he's going to supply our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He's going to do it. But if I think that those things are the point, then I will go, well, you did all this, God, so why do I feel empty after you did it? And it's like a frustrating cycle. And we start sounding like Solomon in Ecclesiastes 1. It's all meaningless. I feel empty. What's the problem? Ah! And we just want to throw our hands in the air and wave them like we just don't care. Come on now. I want you to know that the goal of your enemy, Satan, the goal of your enemy, Satan, is to destroy you. So he wants to harden your heart by any means necessary. The goal of Satan is to harden your heart by any means necessary. Which means that he might give you what you want in order to harden you so your heart turns from God. The worst thing that ever happened to Solomon was for him to obtain all of those things. I found myself praying selfish prayers where I say, God, if we just had this, then we could accomplish what we should accomplish. God, if I just had a little bit more of this. And I sometimes wonder if God doesn't just think to himself, I just wish that you knew that I was enough. 
I just wish that you knew that my love for you was enough, but you never even look there because you look everywhere else. There's the answer in my life that is inside of me at all times, but I choose to look everywhere else so many times for the answers. And we cry out to the world how bad we're hurting, how bad we're far from God. And some of us are deeply hurting with physical things. Some of us are deeply hurting with emotional things. And some of us truly are empty and feeling that numbness because of bereavement, because of abandonment, because of these things in our lives. But the answer will only be found in the Lord Jesus. And so when we try to find answers, we will feel vengeful in our hearts and go, why do I feel this way? I hate this about me. I don't want to feel this anymore. I don't want to do these things anymore. I hate this. What is wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you except that your eyes are on the wrong things. And listen, all of us are that way. There's not one person under the sound of my voice watching online or in this room that doesn't feel the same exact way. And when you want to throw your hands in the air and say, I don't understand what's going on here. Join the club, y'all. We're all on the same team. We're all feeling the emptiness of our own lives and what we passionately pursue that's far from what God has chosen. So now it's going to get good. Y'all ready? Nobody's ready? Y'all want to just stay here because it's pretty depressing. I'm going to go fast, so I just want y'all to write these down and remember them. But I got four verses that I want to show y'all that are awesome, and they all have the same theme in them. It says, so with a view of righteousness. Somebody say righteousness. Y'all are going to see that theme that's coming up in the next few minutes. So with a view of righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness. Break up, break up that heart that is so hardened. Break up the fallow ground for it is time to seek, pursue the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. It is not your righteousness. You cannot be righteous. The Bible says there's no one righteous, not even one, that my righteousness is like filthy rags. That word simply means right standing with God. But when he's given me a right standing because of the cross, when he's given me a right standing because of what Jesus did, when I have righteousness that is put inside of me because inside of me is Christ Jesus and his spirit, when I am living in that, I don't have to be that. He is that in me. So so what I do and what I Pursue from there shows up by what comes out. And everything inside of me wants to pursue that once I get the Lord Jesus. But listen, everything in here and everything outside of me wants to do as far from that as possible. So so when my eyes start seeing things and start lying to me and I start going, if I just had that, if I could just get a little piece of that, if I could just do a little bit of that, if I could just, then everything about what Jesus is in me gets hardened and gets numb and I forget. That's why he says, break up that fallow ground. That word fallow ground, that break up, literally is a picture of what idle time does to us. Idle time does to us. Because in the emptiness What happens to us is we don't want to be completely alone with the Lord because it feels awkward and we feel like he's not listening to us and we're not hearing from him. So we isolate ourselves without beautiful solitude with God. And when we're in the crowd of people, we just fit in. We're fake. We don't want anybody to know that we're going through hell and we're struggling. And we want to make sure that we put off this persona that we got it together. It's all good. I've made it. And the longer that I live that way, the more hard my heart gets. 
and the more far from God that I feel in my own life and the more need for the plow in my heart comes. Because the truth of the matter is we always reap what we sow, y'all. We always reap what we sow. And if I'm not sowing what I am in me, then I'm going to reap all of those things that I wish I didn't. So when I'm, listen, when I'm sowing into and going after the things in my life that we talked about at the beginning that we all go through, we're going to reap that overwhelming frustration of not knowing what to do. But when I'm sowing with a view of righteousness and reaping with kindness in my heart, that, that softened, pure heart that only comes from what he does in me, when that is the case in my life, everything changes. My view of success changes because I don't think that a number of people that show up in my life is success. I think, Lord, I'm chasing and pursuing you with all my heart, and no matter what happens, I trust you. If you choose to make something terrible happen in my life, even though it wouldn't be him, but if you choose to allow something to happen in my life, I trust you. Let's go. Whatever you have for me, I trust you. I'm going to take the next steps. I'm going to follow you, but you've established my, my steps in my life. I'm going to trust that this is your way. And it's real easy to preach. It's just real hard to do. Because we have such hardened hearts. Because we walk in and think, God, I hope someone else is listening to this. Because I know they need it. But it's time to sow with a view of righteousness. Second Timothy, this is Paul's charge. At the end of his writings to Timothy, this is Paul's charge. As he's beginning to start wrapping up in Second Timothy, he says, flee. Everybody say flee. That means go the other way. Run from youthful passions and pursue what's in you. Christ follower. Pursue that righteousness that's inside of you. You don't have to be something. You are something, so pursue what you are. Pursue that God-sized calling in you. Pursue what God's made you to be. Stop remembering all that junk, the lies that were told about you, the things that you've said to yourself. Stop remembering all those things and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. If you want to know what to sow, he just, he just gave you a blueprint of what to sow. Faith, love, and peace, along with those who caught, this is huge. Like I could do a whole message on this verse. Who should I hang out with? Those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Like we could go back a couple and talk about Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 4. Excuse me, 1 Kings 11 verse 4. And go, that joker was not chasing people who love the Lord from a pure heart. He was chasing the hotties. chasing the money or chasing whatever. And listen, attractive people are not bad. Money is certainly not bad. It's neutral. But chasing those things, number one in my life, seeking those first in my life is what leads to the feeling of emptiness. And everybody that feels empty today is because we're chasing the wrong things in our lives. And if I'm the only one in here, then I'll shout to the, to the rooftops, that's me. So often in my life, that's me. I can preach, but I got to live in this body. I got to live in this life. I got to live in this world. And I got to look out and say, it's because I'm chasing the wrong things. It's because I'm so in the wrong places. It's because, I'm, it's because I'm trying to find love in all the wrong places. It's because that I need your affirmation more than I need the Lord's affirmation. And I don't, but that's what I show. 
If you ever want to know what your pastor's goal is, I've told this to my boys. I've told this to my closest friends. If the only thing people can say about me at the end of my life is that he operated from a pure heart, then to God be the glory. If I love my family from a pure heart, then I'm going to be a great daddy and husband. If I pastor this church from a pure heart, then you're going to have a selfless pastor. And that is the thing that the enemy wants to keep you from more than anything. It's to make sure that your heart is not pure. So he may give you what your heart desires most to make sure that your heart never chases the Lord Jesus the most. Because we can't operate. Listen, we cannot operate from a pure heart if our heart is not in tune with the Lord. If the Holy Spirit's purpose and plan for my life is not exactly in line with what my heart is chasing after, the center of my being, then I'm so far off that I'll just be hardened and I'll be angry. And this is what I'll say. Why am I so angry all the time? Why do I react that way? Why do I do these things? It's because this fallow ground that's my heart has to break up. And the Lord Jesus is the only one that can break it up. He's the only one that can take my heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh, according to Ezekiel. Matthew 5. This is so simple and frustratingly simple in what it says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be satisfied. Isn't it crazy that that Solomon said, there's no satisfaction. There's nothing. Everything leaves me empty. I'm so frustrated. I'm so frustrated. I'm so frustrated. I don't know where to turn. Jesus, speaking on the mountain, in the most famous message that's ever been preached, he's like, I got it, Solomon. If you'd have just known me back then, we'd have been good. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be filled and satisfied. Their empty will end because satisfaction is guaranteed in me. And if we would just take an inventory of our own lives, what we would realize is that everything in my life is what I'm pursuing passionately except for these. When I thirst after things, is it the Lord Jesus first? Or is he in the equation? He doesn't want part of you. He doesn't want like, like, like you can give him 80%, but if you don't have your left leg and your left arm is not with him, then, then, then he doesn't have any of you. Because he, he, God is a jealous God. He doesn't, he doesn't like you in compartmentalized portions. He wants all of you to be his Lord. He wants you to let him be your Lord and, and, and you to follow him. And he loves you enough. This is crazy and frustrating to let you stay right where you are until you want to say, I choose to follow you with all my heart. I've realized that the folly of my own ways is that I will get what I want to get and I'll feel just as empty as before and I won't have enough wherewithal to think. I'm getting what I wanted and I still feel empty inside. I'm ready to throw my hands up and say, you're my everything. I choose to follow you. And then this is my life verse. If I've ever written you a card, I've probably put this on it. I look at this verse every day. I quote this verse to myself every day and I need a daily reminder of what this says. Matthew 6, 33. Sorry. I didn't change that at the bottom. Matthew 6, 33 is seek first. Seek first. Pursue with all my heart. Matthew 6, 33, pursue with every part of my being. All of me in my heart, pursue first, 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 first. The kingdom and his righteousness. Like that's a bow on everything we've talked about today. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? All the things that I have let cover my life will be added unto you. 
And verse 34 says, so don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its own problems. Seek me first. Seek me first. Let me be your portion. Let me be your plenty. Let me end your empty. And for so many of us, that sounds really cool. That sounds really great. That sounds really awesome. And most people will listen to this message. And they may even say, amen, pastor. That's great. And we might remember it for 10 minutes until someone cuts us off out there in the pouring rain. Come on, somebody. (laughs) But I need this to be the close today. The only way that you're empty truly ends is when he's enough. And you may be a wordsmith that can carve up something and tell me something, and you can sound so elegant and so good. You may be the worst wordsmith in the world and not be able to put a complete sentence together, and you may be way closer to God than I am. Because it's not about what you do. It's about what he's done and what you let him have in you. That's the difference. That's the thing that changes everything in my life is when I can look out and say, I've now accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish. And let I, I, I look out at my life and I say, what was that? What was that? What was that? The only way that you'll ever feel fulfillment in this life, listen to me. I would tell this to any great entrepreneur, any philanthropist, any president, any person. You can get everything that you want. You can have absolute power, absolute control, absolute wealth and have everything that you ever thought but at the end of the day when you look yourself in the mirror you'll still say I'm empty it was meaningless I churned and churned and churned and I still feel nothing so pastor how can it end (laughs) the answer is always Jesus like, isn't it frustrating that when you were a little kid in Sunday school, you knew that the answer was Jesus, and yet some, somehow along the way, we forgot. And somehow when we're going through our troubles, we forget to seek first. Somehow when we're in a divorce settlement, and we're so frustrated with our past, and we're looking out at our lives, and we just want to throw our hands up, somehow we forget Jesus. Somehow when everything's going on in our lives, we forget Jesus. Can I just talk to you in the room if you're a person that's far from God, that has never met him on an intimate level? Jesus loves you. Jesus died with you in mind. Jesus didn't just take on your sin. The Bible says that Jesus became your sin so that you could be, this is not my words, this is the words of 2 Corinthians 5, so that you could be the righteousness of God. So understand that everything that you are, that you hate about yourself, the Lord Jesus has already taken on in his own body and put on the cross. That cross that we sang about before is why I have this hope. In the Lord Jesus, I have this hope. He became sin, your sin, so that you could become his righteousness. He played, let's swap. You've got to receive the swap. You've got to stand up and say, I am tired of being my sin. I'm tired of pursuing the wrong thing. I'm ready to exchange that with what he has to offer. Not part of you, not some of you, all of you. I'm I'm chasing Jesus. I'm ready to follow him. 
It's all me and him today. I'm ready to do this thing. I believe in this room, there's many people that need to say yes to Jesus. There's many people that need to walk out and have your lives completely changed forever by the Lord Jesus. But it's only when I trust him completely as my Savior and Lord. Will you bow your heads? With your heads bowed and eyes closed. I just ask you right now, who would be willing to say that's me? Pastor, I want to trust Jesus. I'm tired. I want him to end my empty. I'm ready to give my heart and life to him. I just want you to throw your hand up. That's simple. I'm ready to do this thing today. Come on, in the room. I know there's some people that need to throw their hand up and say, I'm ready to end my empty. Thank you. Who else? Keep your hand up right here. Who else is it? I'm ready to end my empty. I'll see you over here. Keep your hand up if you will. Keep your hand up if you will. I'm ready to end my empty. I'm ready to chase the Lord Jesus. I'm ready to follow him. With all my heart, I see two hands. Are there any more? Come on, don't don't leave here and let pride keep you empty. I'm ready to end my empty. I'm ready to follow the Lord Jesus. I'm ready to do this thing. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. You are saved. Our volunteers just brought you guys a clipboard that I'm going to ask you to fill out and then they're going to help you take your first steps with the Lord Jesus and we celebrate with you that you just said yes to Jesus. I believe the second that you raised your hand and you meant in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he saved you. That second. I need to talk to everybody else right now. I don't know if you came here to get baptized today or if you were baptized when you were a kid. I believe if you're baptized after you truly mean that you're saved, that you should not have to get baptized again. But there's some people in here that you did not get baptized after you got saved. And out of fear, you said no. Can I just tell you something? Delayed obedience is disobedience. And it's time for y'all to stand up and say, I want the world to know that I'm his. It does not save you. This water in this horse trough is not magic. We sit crisscross, we face this way, it's nothing magic. We give you a little bottle, I don't even know if it's the same water, and it's awesome. We celebrate the fact that you're alive in Jesus Christ, that your sin was taken on by our Savior, and that you're alive by Him now. I'm not preaching on baptism today, but I'm telling you, there's some people in here that you need to stop delaying, and you need to show the world who you are in Christ Jesus. If you know that you made a decision last week or two weeks ago, today... Say, as for me, I'm going to show the world what I believe. I'm ready to walk with Jesus. And I want you to just stand up in front of everybody because we're going to celebrate and do a cartwheel with you. Hey, if you're getting baptized today, will you be bold enough to stand up? You already know you're getting baptized. We're about to send you out. Who else? Come on. Come on. Who is it? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I need to know if there's anybody else that's supposed to get baptized today, but you've been delaying your obedience. Get up with them. Look at all these people. Get up with them right now. Is there anybody else? Who's going to be the one that stands up and says, I'm going with them. I'm going with them. Y'all go ahead and make your way to the back. Can we celebrate with these people that are getting baptized today? Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Who else? Go ahead right now. If you know it's you, I believe there's people in here that it's time for you to get baptized. Don't let anything keep you away from that. We're about to sing. We're going to do do it again or we're going to... I messed it up last week if y'all weren't here. And this is what I want y'all to do as we sing Do It Again. I want y'all to let these words resonate in your heart. And I want you to consider this because I think you should have a chance that you can respond to the message today. 
What are you saying to me, Lord? Like, I believe most people in this room are followers of Jesus. But God doesn't want you to stay where you are. And God doesn't need you to be a superhero to change the world. He needs you to open yourself up and say, you have all of me. I'm ready to chase you with all of me. I'm ready to follow you with all of me. Because I'm telling y'all, when you do, we are world changers. Y'all, this isn't my opinion that I can talk you into. This is what God made you to be in him. And so if you need to respond down front because you're ready to just put your emptiness down and say, I'm ready to chase him with all my heart. What you pursue is what you believe is your glue. But the only glue is the Lord Jesus. So let him end your empty today as we pray. God, we love you and we're thankful. Lord, we believe you've done it and you're going to do it again. And we just claim these things and we celebrate life change. We celebrate what you're doing because it's certainly not us. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Y'all stand with us.